If you have your Bible with you this morning, I hope you do. Could you turn it to 2 Corinthians 4, verses 5 to 9. That's 2 Corinthians 4, 5 to 9. If you don't, I'm just going to read, and it says this. You see, we don't go around preaching about ourselves. We preach that Jesus Christ is Lord, and we ourselves are your servants for Jesus' sake. For God who said, let there be light in the darkness, has made this light shine in our hearts so we could know the glory of God that is seen in the face of Jesus Christ. We now have this light shining in our hearts, but we ourselves are like fragile clay jars containing this great treasure. This makes it clear that our great power is from God, not from ourselves. We are pressed on every side by troubles, but we are not crushed. We are perplexed, but not driven to despair. We are hunted down, but never abandoned by God. We get knocked down, but we are not destroyed. Let us pray. Father, we thank you, Lord, for your word this morning. I pray that uh, every word that comes from my mouth is from you, Lord God, not a word more, not a, not a word less. Father, I believe today that people will find freedom in you. Uh, people, will, people will be set on fire for you, Lord God. Let your will be done. In Jesus' name you pray. And everyone says... Now, I wanted you to turn to your neighbor and say, neighbor. Okay, you got to understand, I'm from Lower Hutt, you know, so I want to see a bit of attitude in there. I want you to say, neighbor, neighbor. The, word today the word today is for you. Now, turn to the other neighbor who you just really turned your back to and said, neighbor, neighbor, today this word is for, for you. Amen. I love this scripture. We all know that life can get tough really fast sometimes. People are going, sometimes they're going to make things worse. Life is going to ask more of us than we have to give sometimes. But it's in these moments that we have to keep verses like these in front of us. The Bible says, but you will not be crushed. You will not be driven to despair. You will never be forsaken with God in your corner. And friend, he's in your corner this morning. You will get through this season. And today I'm not going to apologize. I get excited when I preach. I might get emotional when I preach. Because if you've known what God has done in my life, I once was lost, but now I am found. I once was blind, but now I see. I found new life in Christ. Anyone else find new life in Christ? Yeah, yeah, yeah. So good. Amen. And sometimes we have to remember the many things that God has done in our life. And for me, I never want to take the presence of God for granted. Amen. Take every opportunity you have to serve God. And seriously, I came today believing that people would be set free and set on fire for Christ. And I'd like to introduce the title of the sermon I'm preaching today is Stormproof. The title of the sermon I'm preaching today is Stormproof. How to prepare for when the seasons of life change. And if we're taking notes today, I have three notes, I have three points, and I'll give it to you up front. The first point is, what is your response? Do you hide or do you seek? The second point is, preparing for the storm. Failing to prepare is preparing to fail. And the last point is, how's your covering? Who's speaking into your life? Amen? So the first point, what is your response? Before we look at how to prep for the storm, I feel it's important we look at how we react or how do we respond when the storms of life hit us. You know, the, I've got kids, right? And they, they play a game called hide and seek. And I, when I play that game, I find it really hard to hide because of my muscular physique. 
those who laughed, I'm going to pray for you after at the end. We'll, we'll have a separate, an altar call. But they play a game called hide and seek. And sometimes we play their game with God. We hide and then we seek. In Genesis 3, 8, it says, Then the man and his wife heard the sound of the Lord God as he was walking in the garden in the cool of the day. And they hid from the Lord. But the Lord called to the man, where are you? The Lord did not call to the woman. He called to the man, where are you? And so often we say, Lord, why have you forsaken me? Lord, where are you in this? But God is saying, I'm in the same place. I haven't moved. Where are you? Amen. And Adam answered, uh, not your pastor, (laughs) this Adam. Aren't you grateful that every Adam after the original Adam just got better in Jesus' name? And Adam answered, I heard you in the garden. I was afraid because I was naked, so I hid. And God says, who told you you were naked? And also when, you hear, when the kids are playing this game, hide and seek, you hear someone say, ready or not, here I come. And in life, the storms are like that, ready or not, here they come. So what is your response? Do you hide or do you seek? Now, I want us to look at Jonah for a second. So Jonah is a prophet in the Bible, and he's called to go to preach to the people of Nineveh. And the people of Nineveh were extremely cruel towards Israel, and they caused a lot of problems for these people. To top it off, Nineveh was like 800 miles away. And in Jonah 1 verse 1 to 2, it says, The word of the Lord came to Jonah saying this, Go to the great city of Nineveh. Preach against it because its, because its wickedness has come up before me. Now, Jonah, he's a, he's a prophet and the nation that he is proud of. Then all of a sudden, God comes between Jonah and his comfort. He asks Jonah to go somewhere Jonah never wanted to go. What's the problem? Jonah, he was comfortable. Can anyone relate to the situation? Lord, but I'm comfortable here, but I need you to go. Because how would they know if you don't go? But Lord, it's good here, but I, my daughter, I need you to go. You know, God has no problem removing you from your comfort zone. Amen? Amen? Yeah, it's a nervous amen. Amen. <laughs> Keep preaching so good. God will move you out of a place of comfort to see a level of breakthrough for yourself and for others. For Jonah, a whole city was ready to repent, but he had to get up and go. I wonder what's on the other side of you getting out of your comfort zone today. We know that earthly obedience brings forth spiritual release. Jonah 1.3, it said, but Jonah ran away. Everyone say, "Uh uh-oh. I do have the finger, "Uh (laughs) uh-oh. Some of you doing the Beyonce, "Uh uh-oh. No, not that that one. Uh Uh-oh. But Jonah ran away from the Lord and headed towards Joppa. He found a ship for their port and paid his fare. Jonah flat out doesn't want to go to this place. He decides the best thing to do is to go in the opposite direction of Israel. And my honest opinion is that Jonah was believing, if I can just get out of Israel, then I can get away from where he believes God dwells. If he can get out of the location or out of the parameter or out of the place of where God is, then he can get away from what God has called him to do. But as we all know, church, You cannot run away from God. Amen? I'm going to tell you a quick story. This is before I I met Jesus, so don't judge me, right? Put those stones down. (laughs) So this is BC. 
as a young fellow, my, my parents were brought me up in God, and all I had friends who were doing their own thing, and I wanted to do what they were doing, and and I wanted to do what everyone else was doing, and we ended up in Auckland for a holiday, and I wanted to go where my partner's family were in a place called Waima, which is in the North Island. If you don't know where it is, you, you will blink and miss it. And I, I managed to get someone to convince my mom to let me to go up for one day. And it was on this condition that I jumped on the bus the next day back to Auckland, and we would come back home to Wellington. But being a young, uh, naive young person at the age of 18, I got on the bus, um, we got to Waima, and I turned my phone off knowing I wasn't going back to Auckland. Oh, some of you are like, you just changed the way you look at me right there. <laughs> you were smiling at me even before. And like, mm-hmm. You know, and I, I get to this place in Wyman, and I know my mom's worried, but I wanted to do what they were doing. I didn't want to do what my mom wanted me to do. And I thought, you know what? If I just get fur enough away, if I just get, through, if I just get away from Auckland, my mom won't be able to find me. And we're in the middle of nowhere for three days. I turned my phone off, had no communications with my mom. And on the third day, this is a marae in the middle of nowhere. Okay, If you don't know where you're going, you, you won't find it. There's a marae in Waima. And I'm sitting at the end of this very long driveway. And I've got a bottle of communion in my hand. <laughs> and I'm looking down this long driveway. And my parents had this silver four-wheel drive. And I can see from a distance this car coming over the horizon. And it's coming towards the end of the drive. And I'm saying, please don't indicate right. Please don't indicate right. Sure enough, it indicates right. And this car is coming towards me. And I'm like, Lord, in this moment, Lord, I need you. I need you. I'm, I'm part Samoan and part Maldi, if, if you know, you know. And I'm in this moment, I'm like, Lord, I'm, I'm about to meet you, Lord. <laughs> you know. And then my mom jumps out of the car, and, and I'm freaking out. I'm like, how did she find me in the middle of nowhere? And my, my mom is Samoan. She, she has this unique ability to smile like this, but her eyes, they're not smiling. They're saying something else and after that she laid hands on me in the name of Jesus I thought that if I could just get far away if I could just run away if I could just move away that my mom couldn't find me I learned that day if I cannot outrun my mom I can never outrun God come on somebody if you agree with me someone say amen the psalmist in 139 makes it pretty clear he says this where can I run from your spirit Where can I flee from your presence? If I go up to the heavens, you are there. If I make my bed in the depths, you are there. If I rise on the wings of the dawn, if I settle on the far side of the sea, even there your hand will guide me. Your right hand will hold me fast. If I say, surely the darkness will hide me and the light become night around me, even the darkness will not be dark to you. The night will shine like the day, for darkness is at light to you. You, I came to tell you, you can hide, you can move, you can run, you can move states, you can move districts, but God sees and God knows. Don't run from God, run to God. And if you've turned away from Him, can I encourage you to turn back to Him this morning in the name of Jesus? In the storm, do you hide or do you seek? So we know that earthly obedience brings forth spiritual release then we would also know that earthly disobedience has spiritual ramifications. Jonah chooses to hide and put others at risk. The Bible says that a storm puts the life of 200 people at risk who are on that boat. So let's look at that. 
We cannot be so naive to think that our disobedience will not affect those around us. Jonah comes forth and he, he's like, this, the storm's raging and he's like, hmm, hey guys. <laughs> so uh, the reason why there's a storm, it's, it's kind of me. I've done something wrong. He, he admits he's the reason why and reluctantly they throw him overboard. That would have been funny to see, eh? And then the storm stopped and Jonah was swallowed by a fish. So one, he tries to hide, but in doing so, hiding always puts others in danger. So did you catch that? Jonah admits that he's the cause of the storm. I put next to my notes, repentance. He admits he's done something wrong. The next thing is that they throw him overboard, and I put discipleship. <laughs> you know, maybe not. <laughs> because... When you come to God through repentance and receive salvation, you have to go through discipleship. There's, there's a phase where you have to throw some things overboard. Well, I'll word it this way. We say come as you are, but if you give your whole life to Christ, it will be impossible for you to stay as you are. Because our walk is about not about perfection, it's about progression. Maybe just maybe your storm will stop when you throw some things overboard. There are some unnecessary things that you've been carrying for way too long. The moment they threw Jonah overboard, the storm stopped. Throw it overboard. It was never yours to carry in the first place. That addiction, throw it overboard. That's a great time for you to say amen. amen. That complacency, throw it overboard. That doubt, fear, confusion, anxiety, depression, and oppression, throw it overboard into the sea of grace. Throw it overboard into the sea of God's forgiveness. Check this out. You may have been able to hide it from your pastor, but you cannot hide it from the master. Come on, somebody. He's omnipotent. He's omnipresent. He's everlasting to everlasting. And he cares for you. Anyone here grateful that we serve the king of second chances? Yeah. Amen. Or maybe the storm you went through was to reveal what needed to go from your life. You know when I said throw it overboard? Uh, wives, I was not talking about your husband. <laughs> I think some of you got way too excited there. I didn't have to say turn to my neighbor. You already volunteered your neighbor. Amen. Point two, prepping for the storm. Trials in life remind us that this world is not our home. Painful diagnosis, deep grief, financial losses are stark reminders that this world is temporary. We are often forced to let go of things that don't matter. And the storms of life help us to turn our focus from building our own kingdom to building God's kingdom. And as brutal as storms can be, Scripture tells us our light and momentary troubles are achieving for us an eternal glory that far outweighs them all. But I also came to tell you that none of us are immune to the storm. While we don't know how or when they will hit, God has assured us they will come. But we can prepare, amen? Let me give you three quick points within a point. The first one is, when things are out of your control, they are never out of God's control. Paul was on a ship and it was out of control. And it was at the mercy of this fearsome storm. They were completely out of control and helpless. The sailors did everything they could to keep the ship from breaking apart. But beyond that, there was nothing else to do. They had no compass and they couldn't see the sun or the stars. They were lost in the middle of the Mediterranean Sea. They were lost in the Mediterranean Sea and they were out of control 
but it was not out of God's control. He's always in control. The storms of life don't take him by surprise. He's, he's not there up there in heaven having to panic, running around what to do, summoning angels to come up with a rescue plan for you. No, no, no. He's in control. Amen. We have to remember the God that we serve. My favorite preacher said this. We have created Jehovah Genie, which means we come to God when we need him to make a wish. We have created Jehovah Butler, which means that we make a mess and we ring a bell asking God to come and save us. We have created Jehovah Uber, meaning, Lord, I just need you to take me from this place to that place. And from there, I'll figure it out all my own. But I came to tell you, he is not Jehovah Genie. He is not Jehovah Butler. He is not Jehovah Uber. He is Jehovah Jireh. He is the name above every name. He is the king above every king. He is the Lord above every Lord. He's your provider even in the storm. Amen. Things might be out of your control, but they are never out of God's control. And I love what um, Pastor Aaron was saying earlier. If I can give you your three things to help you in terms of the storm is one, get connected. Join a life group. Get around people who are going to pick you up. Get around people who are going to speak life into you. We're not made to do life alone. We weren't created to be isolated by ourselves. We are stronger together. Can I encourage you? I, someone send me that email so I can sign up to a life group as well. Get in a life group. It makes all the difference. The second thing is find a prayer partner. Find someone who can pray for you, who can lift you up in prayer, who can, in those moments where you need someone to say, I need to talk. And the last thing is, find a mentor, someone who can disciple you. Not just anyone, ask the pastors who they would recommend to get alongside you. But how you respond during spiritual warfare really exposes how much time you have spent with God. And it's meant to be a sword fight, and sometimes we show up to the fight with our remote I mean, I know you love Shortland Street. I know Chris Warner is a doctor, but he can't save you spiritually. Come on, somebody. I know Coronation Street is addictive. No, leave Coronation Street alone. I see some of you looking at me. Hey, don't you dare talk about Coronation Street. But it's meant to be a sword fight, and, and instead of building our lives on the rock, we built our lives on TikTok. Can we go there? I was talking to a buddy of mine the other day, and I was saying to him, we have to be careful because we are going to raise a generation that only knows how to praise when the camera's live. We're going to raise a generation that only knows how to dance when someone's going live. Then we get to church, and we fold our hands, and we're like statues, but we had no problem going, dun, 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 dun. See, y'all know that song? Our life is to be built on the rock and not TikTok, and don't get me wrong, I am not against these things, but we have to be careful when they become our idol. When they become our God, we have to put them back. Amen? If I can just get the, the band up and the keyboard player, please. My final point for the day was, how's your covering? Who is speaking into your life? And I asked God if he can make it rain around this time because that would go with the theme of the message. Thank you, Lord. I said, Lord, in about 24 minutes, we're in the message, make it rain. So that's the effect that you're hearing. <laughs> who are you taking who are you taking advice from are you being discipled is there someone asking you the hard questions are you okay to be hard accountable do you have a strong group of 
for the men? Do you have a strong group of men or do you have a spiritual father or someone who can love you, who can correct you, who can say, hmm, I wouldn't do that if I were you. And for the ladies, do you have someone who can speak into your life and tell you the truth even when we don't want to hear it? And the reason why this is very important because depending on who you listen to during the storm will heavily influence what you do in the storm. I love this line. You have to be able to discern your Judas from your Peter. Peter had a bad day. Judas had a bad heart. Peter, you restore. Judas, you release. You've got to know who's in your corner. You've got to know who wants you to win. Not everyone in your corner wants you to Not everyone in your corner wants you to succeed. Who are you allowing to speak into your life? And every time there's a storm or we're told to prepare. We go in and check our equipment. We tie down our trampolines. We secure our basketball hoops. And if you're rich enough, you cover your pool. I know, Carpenter. Yes, I We do those things to prepare for the storm that's going to come. My last point was this how's your covering? Who's covering you? And there are different types of covering when we come to God. Can I tell you, check your covering before the storm, not during. Spider-Man, hey. I tell everyone that's my son's, but really it's mine. <laughs> yeah, that's my son's Spider-Man. I'll start with an umbrella, a kid umbrella. This is someone who finds Christ. They come to the knowledge of who Christ is, and they give their heart to the Lord, and they find salvation in Jesus. The Bible says that you are born again. A rebirth takes place. So we start with the basics about following Jesus. And when you're starting out with God, this covering is enough. You're new. I'm not going to throw the book of Revelation at you on your second week. Come on, somebody. Go through the basics of who is God. And all those kind of things. What is the Bible? How do we pray? And we have this covering, and that's enough. But in the book of Hebrews 6.1, it says, Therefore, let us move beyond the elementary teachings about Christ and be taken where? Be taken forward to maturity, not laying again the foundation of repentance from acts that lead to death and faith in God. So the Bible says we should be taken forward to maturity. From glory to glory, from faith to faith, it's a progression faith. So to start off, this is okay, this is going to cover me when I'm new in God. But if I've got a family and I've got kids, unfortunately I take up most, most of the room under this covering. There wouldn't be much room for them under this covering. And the sad thing about church is that a lot of us find Christ and we leave it there. But from glory to glory, from faith to faith, and we've got many spiritual pictures that look like this, and the storm comes and everyone's trying to fit under this small covering. Because why? We haven't matured in our faith. Is there room for you in your covering? Is there room for your family in the covering? 
put Spider-Man away. And if you can just show that picture, please. The next covering is, I think we all can relate to that. I'm from Windy Wellington. I kid you not, last week, I couldn't find my umbrella. And I have a really good one. I couldn't find it. So I went to the $2 shop in Nainai. And I went and bought that umbrella. You see, the thing is, it looked like it can hold the rain away when I was holding it. It looked like a covering. It looked like this was going to hold me when the rain came. I tell you what, that night, I decided to walk to a meeting of mine. I put up my umbrella, and I'm so proud of it. I walk about two minutes around the corner, and this little gust of wind, this little gust of wind came. My umbrella went up, I went up, and it ended up like that. And I say that to say this. If your covering didn't cost you anything, don't expect it to hold you up when the storm comes. Come on, somebody. If it didn't cost you something, if it didn't cost, if you didn't have to sacrifice anything for your covering, it's probably not going to hold you up. Amen? You see, sin is the original afterpay. You get what you want now, making you think it's yours, but it will always cost you something later. Sometimes we're in the storm and we feel exposed. How's your covering? And if I can call up these two young fellows to come up, I want to talk about a generational covering. There are times where we inherit our storms. It's in your bloodline. Can we just put our hands together for my son and my dad's come up? Amen. Mate, you're good looking. Who's your father? Hey, so good. Just get over here. Awesome. Sometimes you inherit your storm. It's in my family. It's always been this way. My great granddad, my great grandma. I want to just show you quickly a little visual about a true story. It's our story. Amen. G'day, Daryl. How did the um, how did the rugby child go? Oh, uh, I didn't make the team. You didn't make what team? Oh, the first thing. Oh my gosh. Well, that's pretty disappointing, isn't it? Hey, and our family we've always made the first fifteen. Your brother was captain of the first fifteen. I really did try, but I didn't get enough game time, and the scouts weren't able to see what I can do, and I tried. So you, you're kind of settling for mediocrity, are you? I tried. Yeah, you're trying, all right. Um, <laughs> Daryl, so then if your focus is not on the, the sports field, obviously it's going to be on the academic field. How did your exams go? I tried. not easy you know I'm, I'm, I'm a practical person the whole test was numbers and writing stuff and I'd rather get my hands and then just do it you know dad so it, it, it looks like to me that if the uh, if they if they grade uselessness that might be the only thing you'll get an A in 
I'm just so disappointed, Daryl. Hey, I really thought there were going to be big things of you, and you just seem to be quite happy to settle for second best. You seem to be quite happy to just to let things slide. I don't know. I don't know quite what, what to say to you, son. I don't. I don't know how to put it into words. Just that I'm. I'm just really, really disappointed in you. Now, if I don't know Jesus and I have experienced sonship by experiencing who the real father is, what I will do is I will recycle that storm onto the next generation. Well, don't worry, I'm not about to say all the stuff he said to my son. My wife will give me a name. <laughs> but if I don't know God, if I haven't experienced freedom in Christ, what I do is I take this storm and I will pass it on to the next generation. But let me tell you what happened when we found God. Something changed. So, son, so you're still saying you would. So, what are your aspirations here? Eh? What's your dream? What's your desire here? Is it just to just to float along and be nothing? Hey, Dad, I love you so much, but I'm not that son anymore who will stay here and just listen to that. I found Jesus, Dad. I know what it is to be a son now, because I found and I've experienced the love of a father. I know who Jesus is now, and I know you're. You're, you could take me quite hard and you, you called me all these names and all these things, but Dad, I'm, I'm free now. I cut myself from that. And it's amazing when you find God and what covers you in one season, you can use for a shield in another season. Come on, somebody. What covered me here in one season, I now use as a shield against every generational storm that tries to come my way. And I shield it. And the great thing about discovery now is there's room for me and my son. But capture this. The beautiful thing about finding Jesus is that he wants reconciliation for all. He wants reconciliation for you, Dad. Give your life to Jesus. Come and follow Jesus. And when my dad accepted Jesus, he came into this covering. Come under here, young fella. Come, come over here. Come over here. How's your covering? Come on, somebody. How's your covering? Who's covering you in the storm? This is a picture. This is a true story, a picture of God's reconciliation. And if we, if we settled for the cheap covering, it wouldn't have lasted. But the amazing thing is that when we use this as a shield for one generation, I then hand this back to my dad, and he stops what happened to him and the generation before. Come on now. Well, I know it ran in your family, but it had to stop when it ran into you because you ran into God. Can we give him some praise in this place? To be upstanding. I'm not going to recycle my storms. And then you just find yourself in storms where you don't ask for it. You don't ask to go through what's happening to you and it's just happening. I know the storm has been raging in your life. I know at times you want to hide. But can I encourage you this morning to seek? 
Don't throw in the towel. It might be out of your control, but it is never out of God's control. What do you need shielding from? Who do you need shielding from? Could you just close your eyes all over this place? Just allow this moment between, between, between you and God. I'm just going to make a quick call. If you're saying, yes, that's me. I'm in this right now. I want you to shoot up your hand. I'll acknowledge you. My friend, you can put your hand down. One, God sees everything you've been going through. He knows and He cares for you. Two, this is your moment to release, to throw it overboard, the thing that you've been carrying for way too long. Three, now is your time to shoot your hand up all over this place. Yes, yes, I see your hand. Yes, I see your hand. Yes, yes, yes. Actually, many hands. Many hands all over this place. You're saying, God, I can't carry it all on my own. Well, don't give it to God. It was His burden to carry anyway. By shooting your hand up, you're saying, yes, yes, include me in this prayer. Yes, many hands, many hands, many hands. Can we pray? Father, we thank you, Lord, that you cover us. We thank you, Lord, that we can find refuge under your wings, Lord, under your strength, Lord God. Father, we thank you, Lord. We can find comfort under your covering, Lord God. Cover the people of Connect Church, Father. Cover this house, Lord God. Father, we have things that we've just held on to, Lord God. But Father, I pray as we release those things today, Lord, would you impart into our lives every promise of the Word of God. Fill us up, Lord God, that we would overflow to those around us. Father, I thank you, Lord. I thank you, Lord, for what you have done. In Jesus' mighty name I pray. And everyone says, Amen. Amen. Come on, anybody? Anybody enjoy that word this morning, church? Anybody feel blessed? Come on, one more time, would you put your hands together for Pastor Daryl? And Pastor Daryl's going to be speaking at Tower tonight, 5 p.m., and I think he's bringing a different word tonight. So, church, uh, get down to Tower, check it out. I think uh, it's going to be, again, another, another fantastic um, sermon. Well, uh, before I close the service this morning, if you need prayer uh, for anything, whatever it is, uh, we've got a team over to my right, your left, who will pray uh, for you this morning. Again, whatever you need prayer for, head over there. We would uh, love to pray for you. And I'm going to pronounce a blessing over you this morning, church. So if you feel comfortable, would you hold your hands out just like this as we pronounce a blessing. The Lord bless you and keep you. The Lord make his face shine on you and be gracious to you. The Lord turn his face toward you and give you peace. Amen. Amen. Well, the service is over.